Hi, this is Carl Palchuk. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by my good friend, Nigel Moore, from all the way from an hour north of Sydney. We are. We like to say that so that we don't uh, get confused with people thinking we are from Sydney because we've got a little bit of fun <laughs> rivalry with the Sydney folk down there. But, but weren't you from Sydney? Yeah, <laughs> I escaped. <laughs> so, so this is like the, you know, you, you moved up, huh? So, Correct. Literally. Yep. So, yep, yep. all right. Very good. So, so Nigel, uh, I guess we've probably known each other 11 or 12 years. Yeah, about, would have been about 2008. Yeah. 2008, 2007. And uh, so Nigel used to own a managed service business. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of how you got where you are today? Oh, the big background story. Uh, so I kind of fell into owning my own managed service provider. And the way that happened was I was running a managed service provider for someone else. And uh, I've been running it for a couple of years. And there was kind of some strange things going on there. And that's probably a story for another day. But ultimately, what happened is I woke up Monday morning and I had myself a managed service provider with a pile of clients. And uh, so I kind of ran it for a few years, not knowing at all what on earth I was doing. And it wasn't, it was back kind of 2007, 2008, where managed services was only just becoming a thing. So we were, we were kind of trying to figure our way out and our ticketing system was Outlook and our, our accounting system was, <laughs> was very, very, very old and antiquated. And so I tried to spend the next few years kind of figuring out my place and what this, this kind of business was. And, uh, and through that process, I actually found you. That's where we, I started learning a little bit from, from the way that you ran your business. And then we met over in Miami at an event. Right. But then I ran that business for quite a few years. Uh, we went through a couple of different changes in there. We went through some trial merges or a trial merge and a couple of other things. And ultimately in 2013, we merged with another friend of mine who we were in a peer group together and we built a larger MSP and we ran that for a couple of years and, and really set it up as a, a functioning business, not just as a high paid job for ourselves. And then ultimately in 2016, we had a fairly successful sale of the business. And uh, after that, spent a little bit of time traveling the world with the kids and uh, spending some money, uh, which was a little bit of fun. And, <laughs> and 12 months ago now, so we're now 2018, 12 months ago now, I launched the Tech Tribe, which is my current version of my business. And uh, it's not an MSP, but we teach and coach and help MSPs. Right. And, and that's what we will get into that. So when did you know that your business was moving towards being sold? I mean, did you plan that early on? I, so we've all read the E-Myth, right? And I also read a book called Built to Sell by John Warrillow. And, uh, and I always had in the back of my head that I wanted to sell my business. So I was all, and my, my mantra was, I'm either going to be carried out of my business in a box or that someone's going to shut it down on me or right. I'm going to have a successful sale. So I might as well set it up so that it's a functioning business, not just that high paid job kind of from day dot, day dot. Now that doesn't mean that we were excellent at it from day dot. We were horrible at it from day dot. And, but it was always in the back of my mind that I had to have this business as a functioning business with systems and processes and good people and whatnot, rather than just reliant on me. And so the seed was always there in the back of my mind in 2013, when that friend of mine and me, pulled our businesses together. We, we had a commitment in there that we'd run together for a couple of years, but we would keep it in the back of our minds that if opportunities came along, we would absolutely explore them. And the whole goal then was to double down on our resources so we could pull our, our resources together and double down on them and put all of that time, effort and energy that we had into building it into even more of an actual business so that it was saleable. And then ultimately the, the time came when there were some offers coming through through a process we went through and 
there was the, the typical offer that you can't refuse came through. And so that's <laughs> took it then. Well, timing is everything. It is. So, so the interesting thing is that's sort of the end of the recession in Australia, right? It was around the 20, 2016. Correct. We didn't feel it as much as you guys though out here. So we were, we were kind of sitting pretty most of the time out here. Obviously purse strings were tight, but, but nowhere near as tight as what, what you guys over in the U S I have heard have, have had to you may have with. more sane laws around home ownership and <laughs> correct. We didn't have that old, old um, what were they mortgages upon mortgages upon mortgages right, right. and you bundled together and sold for correct. 10 cents on the dollar. <laughs> correct. <laughs> Very cool. So, so then how much of a role would you say processes and, uh, you know, kind of doing things the right way played in the valuation of your company when you sold? A pretty significant. And so the, the business that purchased us, they were a little bit larger than us. However, they were very, very technical led and a little bit less business led. And, um, and they were really keen to get into our systems and processes and kind of backdoor a lot of their business into our business. And so the fact that we had all of those things made it more of a strategic sale and less of a financial sale, which, you know, when a strategic sale comes through, that's when the prices can rise a whole right. lot higher than the standard. Multiple. So they weren't just buying your clients. They were buying Correct. your process. They, just, they weren't just buying a book. They were buying our people. We had two really good managers and a, and a team of really good people in there. And they were buying our processes and our systems and the way that they were all set up and running. And you don't have to name names, but you can if you want. Uh, were you using the same PSA? Uh, we were using ConnectWise when we sold, yeah. And uh, we were using LabTech, which is now ConnectWise Automate when we sold the business. Okay. So, and, and but I mean, they, they were using the same thing. Ah, sorry. They, they were using LabTech. They didn't have ConnectWise at okay. that point in time. So, but Outlook was a thing in the past. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. They were definitely, they were using a ticketing system. I can't remember exactly what they were using. They may have actually started a ConnectWise journey, but hadn't got very far into it at that point in time. I'm not, I'm not 100% certain. Okay. So you took the processes and you said, that's where all the, the, the juicy goodness is. So let me start a business helping other people figure out their processes. So tell us about the tech tribe. Uh, so probably maybe four years before I sold my business, I was, I, I got it to the point where I didn't need to work on it. And so I was still working in it a, a lot at that stage, but not 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. And <laughs> I had started helping a couple of other friends in the industry with how I was doing certain things in our business. And I kind of enjoyed that a lot and probably a little bit more than what I was doing, enjoying running my own MSP. And so that kind of started planting seeds in the back of my head as to what the next business would be. And eventually I started a little kind of community on the side with a friend of yours and mine, Robert Crane. And we ran that together for a couple of years and, um, and eventually we got to the point where I was selling my business and I didn't have the time to devote to it. And I was focusing on the MSP and whatnot. And we, we closed that one down, but the writing was always in the back of my mind that I, I still wanted to make a, a bigger business out of helping and teaching and coaching other MSPs about the things that we did in our MSP, because I really, really, really enjoyed that. That was the kind of thing that I found lit me up a whole lot more than running my own MSP did. And I enjoyed running my own MSP, but when you've done it for, I was in the, the industry for about 15 years it kind of gets time for a change. And that thing was kind of, it popped up and I went, wow, this is actually really fun. I kind of enjoying this a hell of a lot. So I'm going to go and figure out how to build a business model around it. Right. And so that's why and, I sat down and, and figured it out. You have a number of things that you do with that, like the, the welcome videos and so forth that, uh, yeah. how did you come up with all of those little, I guess, little extras? I am an avid, let's call it addict researcher. And so, <laughs> 
So I, one of my, my things is I just love digging into other, other membership sites and programs and things and just finding all these cool little nuances and ways people do things and figuring out how we can do that ourselves. And so that video thing was one that I'd, I'd saw pop up on my radar somewhere around the place. And I went, that's cool. Love to be able to do something like that. So we went and, and put it in. But being a kind of research junkie or research addict means that I go and find that stuff left, right and center. And uh, I kind of see into all these other little programs and memberships out there and just take the best of what I can see in them and, and go and try and craft it into what we do. Very nice. So I know that you are big into work-life balance. We were just, before we started this, talking about meditation and, and so forth. You're across the street from the ocean, correct? Correct. So, so how often do you actually get there? Because I was not enough. Before, I want to retire to the beach, but you know. <laughs> not enough. So directly out those windows there in about 40 meters uh, is the Pacific Ocean and, uh, and one of Australia's best surf breaks when it goes off as well. And I should be out there every single day, even twice a day. The reality is at the moment I'm not. I'm kind of doubling down on a couple of little projects and whatnot. Um, we will get back to, to getting out there. But I'm at least on the beach, even taking a walk, at least three to four times a week. And I, I surf and I play this sport called or I, I SUP, which is called stand-up paddleboarding, which is where you're standing on a surfboard, you've got a big paddle. And I play this game just out that way, not this way called sup ball where we all stand on boards and we throw a ball around to each other. Oh and, really? Yeah. And so I've so, never heard of that one. <laughs> that's a, it's a crazy, crazy, it's, it's kind of a competition, but it's not, it's really just for fun. We just run around and, and run a bit of a muck and enjoy ourselves. And so did the paddle boards keep the, the sharks away? Well, interesting enough, directly out the front of our place is this area called shark alley. <laughs> and uh, you, you kind of know why it's called Shark Alley. And I used to, when I first moved here, I used to, I didn't have my stand-up paddleboard then. So I used to paddle out there and my legs were dangling in the water and I'd be sitting there and you kind of get this sharky feeling and you go, yeah, this isn't good. And it's a long, long paddle. It's about an 800 meter paddle to get out to the surf break. Oh, wow. So it's a long, long paddle. And, uh, and a couple of times I've been standing on the balcony at home and a couple of surfboard guys on, on, stand-up paddle boards have come in and they're packing their stuff up and they come over and talk to me and uh, they'd say that they just saw a, a, a great white out there that was two and a half meters long <laughs> and uh, that was the, the point where I went all right time to stop the surfboard time to start the stand-up paddleboard exactly. and now at least we can we can see down into the water and we can hit them with our board <laughs> if they with our paddle if they go past but touch wood touch all this wood around me I haven't seen one as yet but I know the day will come right well you're nice nice Pink human fingers in the water just doesn't. <laughs> a black paddle is, is all that goes in the water from my board until unless I fall off a wave. But luckily, the sharks don't normally hang around the waves. Oh, that, the oh, that's a good point. So, uh, yeah. all right. So, so with the Tech Tribe, how many folks do you have now? You're approaching. Uh, we're just about to hit 250 people in there at the moment, and we're we're just just hit 12 months old. All right. And why do most people join? Most people join us, they start off joining because they want to get access to one of the templates or agreements or, or something that we've got in there. Uh, and then most people stay because they, they join the community and they, they get some advice and coaching and whatnot from me. Most people hang around for that. And then we, we're continually rolling out new stuff as well so they get access to all of that. Right. So how many templates do you have? Just, you know, like Is six or 10? 14, or? 14, I think, 13 or 14. So things like a business continuity plan, a proposal template, a managed service agreement template, employment templates, uh, those kinds of things. And you have videos to go with some of those? Correct. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of training as well. So there's the templates and then there's the training. And so we do training in there on things like, uh, 
how to run a, a triage call, which is a certain type of call that I recommend running with clients before you ever, or with prospects before you ever go and visit them on site. And we've got a worksheet that goes with that. And so there's a pile of little bits of training, little, little snippets of kind of 10, 15 minute training modules in there, typically with some sort of associated worksheet that goes with it. So, so here's a question. Are these Aussie specific? No, no. So, we are, funny enough, even though we're based in Australia, about, I think we're only about 35% Australians in the tech tribe. I think we're about 40 to 45% US and Canada and probably 10 to 15% the UK and then the rest from everywhere else. We've got people in some, some strange countries that I didn't even think of that would, <laughs> would have MSPs in them, but we've got them. Well, that's interesting. So, um, and you do some really interesting things. Like you had one about uh, outsourcing to other countries. So t tell yes. me what that's about. So in our MSP, uh, we, we live on the East Coast of Australia, which lines up really well with the Philippines uh, time zone. And out here, we've got a lot, of, a lot of people hire staff over in the Philippines to augment their, their Australian staff. And so in our MSP, we had a team of people in the Philippines and it worked really, really well. It allowed us to be able to hire some extra resources that perhaps we might not have had the budget for to hire people to do that same job in Australia. And so we were able to hire them over there and they could augment our Australian team and be able to help us provide a really kind of next level service to our clients because we could go a little bit more above and beyond having more team members without having to pay what we paid them out here in Australia. Right. And, um, and so we built this team of people over in the Philippines. We absolutely loved them. We, we paid them a whole lot more than what their, their base rates were as well over there. So they were getting paid quite incredibly right. well. And they were, I remember uh, just as an example of that, some people say, don't you feel bad kind of paying people really low kind of salaries. And I, I look at it like this. The perfect example is one morning I woke up and we used to use Microsoft Slack, oh, sorry, Slack, not Microsoft Teams in our, our MSP to, to kind of have our team all in there talking and having fun and whatnot. And I remember waking up one morning and one of our team over there who had been working with us for a couple of years. And she is still, I believe, with the business to this day, wow. uh, years after I sold it as well. But she'd been working with us for about three years. And she posted a photo of her standing next to a brand new car. And the photo was, Hi, Nigel, just wanted to say a big thanks. I would never have got this car if it wasn't for you and working for your company. Wow. And that, that kind of sunk in for me that we weren't taking advantage of people. We were giving people on the other side of the world or not the other side of the world, but you That's know what I mean? That's totally how I feel about it. When, when I hired somebody in the Philippines, it was like, okay, I'm making this person like not the wealthiest person on the block, but <laughs> certainly a better income than they would otherwise get. Correct. Yeah, and, and, uh, and typically most people like that will be supporting their family as well from their income. So right. you know, some of our team were supporting them, their mums, their dads, their grandparents, and their, their brothers and sisters with just one income. I built a product a few years ago uh, based on Azure, and of course I don't do any programming, so I hired this programmer from India. And after about maybe a year, uh, we were done with what we needed to do, but he's been in touch with me ever since, and he just recently moved to the United States based oh, wow. in large part on saving money and then from my job getting other jobs and, and you know, building up a, a network inside the United States. So yeah, wow. I don't feel bad about it at all. You know, I feel like outsourcing to other countries makes the world a smaller place. It does, yeah. And to me, I don't mind. I, 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 I put up no separation between who I can give opportunity to. I give opportunity to whoever, if they're in one side of the world or the other side of the world, it doesn't matter to me. And, uh, and so some people kind of have that, that argument of you should be supporting your local group but, or your local country and whatnot. But my, 
train of thought on that is if I don't have the budget to be able to afford someone locally for this particular role, then I'm not going to be hiring them anyway. Right. And so if I'm hiring them over there, that just means I'm, I'm augmenting my Australian and team. And the that's other the side of that is, you know, the B1, G1, buy one, get one. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Charity. Uh, I've adopted one of those charities. So I'm sending money, you know, to another country right. to help people have clean drinking water. So, you know, there's two sides to that coin. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, so the, so, you figured out how to do all this and then you said, Oh, well, let me just go ahead and do a training on helping other people shortcut that process. Cause right. I'm sure there's a lot to learn. Oh, there is a lot to learn. <laughs> we made every mistake in under the, that, that exists out there. And uh, eventually we figured out ways to get around them and whatnot. And so one of the things we do each month is we have what we call a tribal gathering. And one of our tribal gatherings was on hiring offshore and we had a whole, we record these and they get uploaded into the portal. And, uh, and we just had some great conversation around all of those mistakes that we made and uh, particularly how to get past most of them as well. Because there is a lot as you go through a process like that, especially it doesn't even need to be um, in another country. It just needs to be like a lot of the mistakes that we made were just around handling a remote team. And that remote team can even be in your own country. It's just once right. things become remote, there's a different dynamic to things and trying to figure exactly. that out, and keep your company culture going is, is kind of a, a pretty special thing. You've got to try and figure out your way through that. What's interesting is when you're writing or training, it's sort of like baking. You know, you, you don't tell people about all the mistakes you made or how the <laughs> ingredients all got together. You show them the finished product. And unfortunately, some people think it looks easy. So they're like, oh, no, I, I should just go hire somebody from another country. Like, uh, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's very useful to admit that we make a bunch of mistakes and that's how we improve <laughs> absolutely that's what i say to people that come to join the tech tribe is is i have made a hell of a lot of mistakes in my time but i have typically figured out a way around most of them after i've made them one or two or three times i've typically figured out a way around them so what i can do is i can typically help you shortcut some of those so that you don't make the same silly things that i did and you typically start a little bit further along your journey than what i did exactly uh i i have a phrase for that i call it I have, I am learning the same lesson again and again and again until it <laughs> sticks, you know, like when I finally decided I'm going to stop building servers, it was like, okay, I, I, I've, I've built one more server that has a stupid muffin fan goes out and all my profit goes down the drain. I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> and, and then you built the next one. <laughs> so eventually I did learn, you know, uh, sometimes it takes us unfortunately a couple of goes and um there's a um, i can't remember the same but there's some sort of confucius saying that just kind of tears us apart about making the same mistake twice and you're a buffoon kind of thing but <laughs> some of us need a few goes at making the mistake to to get so, it right well, i admit i i need many many a tries uh some things so <laughs> so, do um, I. so so with the tech tribe uh what's the big overview so people get templates and forms they get trainings uh, you've got a whole library of stuff. Uh, there are forums. There is. So it's a forum-based section in there. Uh, that's the community. And that's where a lot of the day-to-day -day conversations happen. And I, I am very heavily involved in there. That is kind of my way to be able to, So as I was saying before, when I realized that I really enjoyed helping other MSPs do what they do, this was my way when I was looking around for different business models for how to be able to help them. And I wanted, I wanted to find a one-to-many way where I could, I didn't, I wasn't, stuck with just four or five people and not being able to scale a business. So this is putting in the forums is my way of being able to jump in and help all these people with all their questions and queries and thoughts and, 
and brainstorm ways around opportunities and whatnot for them. So that, that sits in there as well. And it's a pretty heavy part of our business. And inside the community, we've got this little section called the private coaching section where any, any Tech Tribe member can go in there and they can start a private conversation with me that only they, them and myself can see. And we can kind of get some private co coaching happening as well and get them kind of unlocking some certain problems that they've got that may be a little bit sensitive or, or maybe financial in nature or even typically a lot of the things that happen in there are financial or people related. And uh, so we've got that little private coaching section as well that's part of it. But most of the community or most of the conversations happen out in the public forums and uh, right. we keep them going. And uh, that's kind of where the bulk of the work happens in there. And, and it's also great to have those questions so that you can say, you know, a lot of people are facing the same challenge and that gives you fodder so that you never run out of things to <laughs> make new content Correct. for. Correct. And it's good. Once you start to create some really great conversations in there, someone might be having a conversation around how to, how to recontract this or how to do that or whatnot. You can get some really good discussions from lots of people on there. And that kind of becomes a, a content topic in itself in that it's a, a piece of a, a whole pile of information that somebody can go and find and read through. And we're, we're currently working on a process to kind of lift some of those really great threads up to the top so people can easily see them. And once they do join the tech tribe, we can kind of start to push them down this area of here you go, go and check out these four or five great top of the line kind of threads to go and dive deep into these topics immediately and kind of get that feedback. Cause it always exists once you've got it in there and once you've got that stuff happening, it, it right. always exists and it exists. This is an important note for me. It exists off a platform like Facebook or Reddit. And um, those places have some really important groups on them. However, they kind of attract some pretty bad elements into them too. Right. And you, the, the problem with those things is it's, it's data and, and stuff on someone else's land. You're building this as you and I have had a conversation around this is it's a business on somebody else's property and Facebook changed the rules and the algorithms and the data is owned by them. As we of last of, week, I mean, <laughs> you know, they oh, literally just, <laughs> exactly right. And so, so we kind of keep this segregated. We keep it off Facebook. It's private only to the tech tribe it means there's sometimes a little bit less engagement, but the engagement that does happen in a forum based community is a higher level of engagement than what happens on places like Facebook and Reddit where people kind of hide behind their personality a bit and control and can give some pretty bad advice just because they're not yeah. thinking they're just kind of throwing well, away. Plus a piece of it is, I mean, I'm a huge believer in community, but sometimes when you go onto a, you know, and nothing, nothing, I won't even say, I won't even say the name of a, the forum, but sometimes you go onto forums and there are people there that they are barely getting by. They spend six hours a day on the forum, so they <laughs> cannot be running their own business. And you think, why is anybody taking his advice? Right? <laughs> like, yeah, correct. It's clearly not yeah, somebody yeah. who knows. But, you know, it's, it's the old thing of on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, people should be really careful where they get their advice because correct, yeah. anybody can stand up and say, no, no, you should only use per user pricing. It's like, uh, okay, well, let's have a discussion about that. Yeah, correct. So, 100% agree. Do you have a handful of people who are like super active on the forums? Yes. Yeah. So. You always get that in any community. You get your kind of 20, 80 and 20% of your active people that dive in every day and they're looking at things and they're talking to things. 80% of people lurk and lurking is cool because some people, especially us IT folk, a lot of us are introverts and we don't want to get engaged in discussions and whatnot, but we learn a lot just from watching what other people do. And so right. in any community like ours, you kind of get that 80, 20 mix, 20% of people are really actively kind of participating. The other 80%, you can see them logging in. We track our login stats and we track our engagement of people. And you can see in our tech tribe, typically 80% of our, 80 to 90% of our people log in every single month, which is huge in our industry. Right. And, uh, but only 20 to 30% of them post regularly. 
the rest sit and watch. You can see them reading all the topics and having a look at through and things and, and oh, they're, they're just their own perspectives of how they can do things and they're learning little bits and pieces, which is great. That's ultimately what it's all about. So other than you, how many people are helping to run the, the tech tribe? Uh, I have two people that help me out. And uh, one is he looks after customer service and building out all of our, our cool little bits and pieces in there. Like when we release a new feature, he'll be building that out. And then we've got another developer who sits in the back end and does some higher level stuff once we need some higher level things. Because I'm a, I'm a person that's never happy with what we've got. We're always improving. We've always got a thousand things in the pipeline that we want to roll out in there. And so those guys are typically focused just on rolling out new stuff. There's all the back end stuff like editing videos and, right. and whatnot, but that's kind of a small amount of it. So do you do a lot of that? Are you very hands-on with that piece of it? I'm not. So I typically just do the basic and then hand it across to the guys to upload and, and add. Every now and then I'll get involved in something if I want to tweak something around. Or um, I've actually been doing the, the top and tailing of the videos lately just because uh, where my my guy who does all of that stuff is traveling to at the moment. He's traveling through Asia at the moment. He's got some pretty bad internet connections. So I've, ah. <laughs> I've, um, I've taken back over the topping and tailing at the moment. And then I upload it into Vimeo and then he does the rest. He, he's, we've got an SOP for exactly all the steps he's got to follow whenever things go up in there. And, and he runs through that and gets it all uploaded. Very good. And uh, so how is it, how is the tech tribe uh, built? Is it monthly, annually, quarterly? Both. Uh, we've got a monthly option and an annual option. Okay. Nice and easy. And, and so uh, you also, I think I saw somewhere that people can lock into their rate. Yeah. So tech tribe pricing is grandfather pricing, which means it increases over time. So when we launched, we were 40 US dollars per month. And that's the price that all our founding members got for joining us when we kind of had very little content. We're now at 50 US dollars per month or 49 US dollars per month because of all these pricing psychology stuff. Uh, so we're sitting at that and, uh, Eventually, the price will we'll probably get to somewhere between 100 and 150 US dollars per month as we fill up the tribe with more value and content and training and we grow the network effect of it. But at the moment, it's sitting at $50. And so every person that joins us keeps their rate for the life that they stay a member. And we've got this option where they can also pause if they ever need to. So they're going. So a lot of smaller MSPs sometimes take on large projects from clients. And uh, that might mean that they're out of their business for three months. And We've got an option in there where they can pause their subscription for up to six months and keep their grandfather pricing in there ah, or okay. scenarios like that. Very cool. So we, I, I don't know if there's even a way to quantify it, but how much would you say is changes or is new in a month? Well, good question. Um, typically, we try to roll out at least one or two trainings each month on something or even a worksheet on something. And um, so this month... Uh, just maybe two weeks ago, we released what I call my OneNote brain extension. And uh, all that is, is a, it's a, I shouldn't say all that is, it's actually really, really, really valuable. It's kind of, I've been using OneNote since 2011 and I've, my entire brain kind of sits in it. <laughs> and I've built up this structure and framework and way that I use it that works really, really, really well now. And so I've gone through and created the training and a template that everybody can download to go and do it. And so that was the one that was released just recently. The training before that, which a couple of weeks before that was a worksheet on how to run a triage call when you've got a new prospect coming in so that you can figure out whether they're a right fit for you or not before you ever get to the point of giving them a, ah. a proposal or before you ever go out and spend so time. So this is time. in lieu of a doing the on-site evaluation. Correct. As yeah. As and so we, I was very picky with our clients in our MSP, especially in the latter stages. In the early stages, I said yes to everyone. Mistake. <laughs> but in the latter stages, I was pretty picky with about 
with who we took in. And the way I did that was a, what I called a, the right fit call. And it was a quick 10 minute call, which I had with clients where I, um, I said, Hey, great. We'd love to work with you. So a client prospect or whatever came in and, and we'd say, great, love to get a chance to figure out whether we can work with you. We only work with a very specific type of client because we do things in a certain way. And quite frankly, it probably annoys a lot of people that aren't our, our ideal customer. And uh, so let's jump on a quick 10 minute phone call. I'm going to ask you a pile of questions. And at the end, you've got a chance to ask me a few questions as well. And at the end of that call, we're going to be able to figure out whether we're a right fit to move forward or not. Right. And I would ask them a series of nine questions or not, there was nine boxes in the framework that I used. And that's what the worksheet is, is, is all of those nine things. And uh, at the end of the call, I'd quite simply say, so at the beginning of the call, I told you whether, um, whether we were going to be able to work together or not. And unfortunately, based on everything you've said, we're, we're just going to frankly annoy you. I typically put it on ourselves. Uh, right. I wouldn't blame them. I'd blame us. I'd say we're probably going to be a little bit annoying to work with because we do X, Y, and Z, but I can recommend you go over here and speak to these people. Wow. And, so uh, I have to say, I love that. And, I, and I, I've made so many presentations over the years about weeding your client garden. And, yes. and I all invariably have somebody raise their hand and say, oh, I can't imagine doing that. And da, 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 da. It, it's, it has led me to adopt one of my 25 rules for life is you do not have to pick up every nickel you find. And there are so many people that they just, they feel like they can't say no to the smallest amount of money. And then they get these horrible clients that call them all the time and whine about everything and don't take yeah, their yeah, advice. Yeah. And it's like, you did this yourself, right? This is Absolutely. your fault, not the client's Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I know I, we can understand, I'm sure, because we, we did that ourselves. 10 years ago, I was saying yes to every single nickel that I found on the floor. But every single one of those small nickels turned out to be a painful nickel and it burnt holes in my pocket and it burnt my legs. And exactly. They, and so, <laughs> well, that's it's, another way to look at it is, do you want a million dollars in hundred dollar bills or in pennies? That, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the same million, but you know what? I will take the hundred dollar bills any day of the week. Correct. A hundred percent. Unfortunately, we're out of time. So we have cool. to do this again. But I want to thank you very much. And we'll put a link down below so folks can uh, get quick access to your site and check it out. Cool. And is there a, a some kind of a, a trial or do they just... Yeah, we're, we're going to put together uh, a special deal for Carl listeners. Uh, not 100% sure what it is yet. So it's going to be something cool. Um, something small, but something cool. And we're going to create a page called thetechtribe.com slash Carl. All so right. thetechtribe.com slash Carl. And by the time this podcast is up, it will be there. So we will have already created it. So head so you there. Promise the page today, and, uh, anyway. <laughs> Correct, and we will figure it out. And <laughs> very good. Well, thank you for your time today. I certainly no appreciate problem. it. Likewise, thank you, and uh, a big appreciation for you being in the industry because I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't from what I learned from you over the many years uh, that I was following you back in the day. I had my MSP as well. So thank well, you. That's very nice of you to say. Thank you, sir. No problems. All the best. 